My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 78. Well, hello and welcome to this massive Monday edition of My Car Guru, the day before July 4th. I think a lot of people are apparently taking today off. I don't think that's fair. Of course, in the car business, um, we're typically open when other businesses are closed. It's kind of the retail thing. But uh, a lot of car dealerships are, have decided to close. We did several years ago because we just weren't that busy on July 4th. People were out on the lake and camping and having so much fun, and we're sitting here looking at an empty lot. So, you know, you close the month out typically really strong, and then you start off rather slow. So my team and I decided that let's just enjoy our families on July 4th. How about that for a change? So that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow. But today, we are working at Gateway, trying to get started again on another month. We had an excellent month in June. Uh, numbers were down a little bit on used cars because we just couldn't find many of them. We're having to go out and actually buy cars uh, from Enterprise and Hertz and different places. We, we feel pretty comfortable buying cars from some of the rental car companies if we're um, basically because we trust the people that we're dealing with. Isn't that so much of it, though? I mean, even if you're a customer, like if somebody wants to buy a car from me and they know me, they've experienced me before, they feel a whole lot more comfortable buying something from me. You agree? But if it's a total stranger, then you don't. And I feel that way with some of the representatives that we buy hundreds of cars a year from. Uh, you get some new guy in there that uh, you don't know, and you don't know that his representations are 100%. Um, then you know it makes you feel a little gun shy to buy twenty five vehicles at one time from him. But you know that's not the case with our enterprise guys. Really good now. Enterprise is a large rental car company, as you know, and it's very different from Hertz and Avis and so forth because it is uh, a privately owned company. It's it was started by a car dealer in St. Louis. I believe that's where he was from and just kept expanding and expanding. And it is a uh, very interesting company. Before, there was no rental car agency in my hometown of Greenville, Tennessee. Uh, I, I don't think there were any in, in Johnson City or Bristol or Kingsport. You know, the, the only place that you could rent a car was at the airport. Well, Enterprise changed that model. Enterprise uh, decided that, you know, small towns need rental car agencies. And it proved to be a huge a bonus to them from a marketing standpoint that they were there where others weren't, you know, and that's kind of what you want to do. That's one of the things I'm trying to do with my new business, my green outdoor business, where we're going to be selling uh, trailers and, you know, box trailers and work trailers and uh, zero turn lawnmowers and stuff like that. Uh, there's nothing like that down here, you know, that in, in my market, I'm filling a void. Now, it's quite different from going into a business where, you know, there's five or six car dealers in town and you decide to open up another one because you've got to compete for the same folks. I'd rather compete against nobody. It makes it easier for a while. So anyway, we'll see how that goes. Okay, what else? Oh, I instructed my sales manager, who happens to be my son-in-law, my Ford sales manager. I said, Ben, let's put a Mach-E, which is Ford's electric vehicle, into a uh, loaner program. And let's let people come in and drive that thing like businesses or whatever, come in and, and experience an electric vehicle for several days. 
no obligation, no rental fee, so that people can get used to, you know, some of this electric stuff. Because, folks, I may not totally agree with the whole EV thing, which I don't. Obviously, I'm somewhat anti uh, the EV business plan. Okay, I'm not anti-electric vehicle, so to speak. It's just the, you know, the obstacles that are still so crazy. I mentioned the other day that in uh, 2030, there's supposed to be 33 million electric vehicles on the road. And they anticipate a necessity of having about 28 million new chargers available for people to charge their cars. And the fact that right now, there's only 130,000. That's seven years. It's going to take a while to do that. It's going to take a lot more than seven years. But it's it's, okay. So I'm not anti electric vehicle. I drove the F 150 Lightning uh, yesterday and took it home and. Love the way the thing drives. It, it is unbelievable, the smoothness, the power, the quiet. It's just quiet. It's, uh, the technology is really neat. But it is um, expensive. And it's, you know, you've got to put the, the charger in your house. You can't just plug it into a 110 outlet. You've got to spend more money in your house. And so, um, but I want people to be aware of the vehicles, you know, to be aware of the lightning and come and drive it and experience it because there may be people that that, that fits perfectly for their, well, you know, for their lifestyle, for their their beliefs, you know, about the world and what their responsibility is. You know, there's a lot of people buy electric vehicles because they think it's good for the planet. I think that's a mistaken concept, personally, because I, of all of the different uh, minerals and and requirements that it takes to build a vehicle. There's a whole lot of energy. There's more energy required to build an electric vehicle than to build a internal combustion engine vehicle. But if you think that it is better for the planet, and based on the information that you get from your side of the media, you feel comfortable with that, uh, then you know more power to you. Buy an electric vehicle, and if you want to buy one, buy it for me. Because I'm going to have them. Right now, I've got about eight of them in stock. I've got two Lightnings and five. No, I see I've got one Aria, which is a Nissan Aria. And then I have one more Aria coming in, and I think I have four or five Mach-E's. And so just, it, it's fun. I mean, even if you don't want to buy one, come drive one so you can see what it's like. It is pretty cool. So uh, I'm not going to talk too badly about them. I might get terminated as a dealer if I'm not careful. Okay, I'm going to take my first break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. I get this phone call at least two times a week. Hey, Lenny, I need a van, either a cargo van or a 15-passenger van. And my answer is, well, good luck. You know, they're out there. There's some out there. Um I had a, I was talking to a preacher the other day, and he needs one for his church. And they need a 15 passenger mid roof. See, these things come in low roof, mid roof, or high roof. And most of the mid roofs are the ones that the church likes because they're 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 not too tall. You don't need a CDL special driver's license to be able to drive people in it. And so, I mean, and they're great. Uh, the Ford Transit is absolutely hard to beat. It's the best out there, and that's what everybody wants. But you can't find them. Here's what happened. So when the pandemic hit, you know, they shut down all the production. And these big companies like Amazon, FedEx, even the Postal Service, you know, the big boys, the, the companies that buy 15,000 vans a year or, or 50,000 vans. Well, 
they they ran out. Their fleets were depleted. Uh, they were had extremely high miles, and so those companies mean a lot to General Motors and Ford and Mercedes Benz. They build vans and and the Chrysler Corporation, and so they got to satisfy those big companies because they they uh, they pay really good and they buy large volume. So what happened once they started cranking up the lines? Guess who got the lion's share of the allocation? Those guys. And then you had dealers who were screaming for these things because of all the churches and all the small businesses that needed vans as well and wanted to upgrade. You know, a lot of people upgrade at the very end of the year so they can get the 179 tax deduction. And it just wasn't available. You know, the same thing happened to me at the end of the year, end of, let's see, yeah, end of 2022, I needed a van. I needed a cargo van. My uh, parts van had 242,000 miles on it, and it was time. And I also needed something that I could write off. And if if under that IRS rule, if you buy something that is at least a certain GVW, then you can write, write it off 100% in uh, that tax year. So I needed it before the end of the year. Couldn't find one anywhere. I couldn't get one from the factory. It's just a cargo van, you know, just a box. And so I found one at a dealership up in Ohio, and I said, you know, I'm a Ford dealer. I need to buy this thing. And he said, well, I'll sell it to you, but it's going to be $8,000 over window sticker. And I said, is that the best you can do? He said, yeah. And it was really the only one I could find. It was the cheapest. I mean, it had some people saying they wanted 20000 over sticker. So I bought it. Had to, you know, send somebody up there to get it and brought it back. And it's a, it's a great van. But that's what I had to do to get one. And now these churches are trying to, they're screaming for them because they're, they're church fans that they have. Number one, they, they're running out of people that want to take the risk to drive, you know, all, all the kids and so forth in these things. And they don't want to have to get their CDL, their commercial driver's license. And so they want these vans. Or, and their vans are wearing out. You know, there's there's this one church that has 200-some thousand miles on it, there's a lot of liabilities. You think about the brakes and the transmission and breaking down on a long trip or something like that. You certainly don't want that. So they're looking for vans, and they're calling me. And I'm saying, I'm sorry, but I can get you one, but it will cost, like, it'll be like a 2020 model. It'll have 85,000 miles on it, and it'll be 10,000 more than it sold for new. And they said, get it. You know, it's just crazy. You know, that several years ago, you, you talked to somebody about paying over, even window sticker for something, but definitely paying over window sticker, they would, like, look at you like you're from Mars or something. And definitely run off screaming. But see, that's just not the case now. New cars, just in general, like SUVs, and, you know, if you go to buy an Escalade, for example, Cadillac Escalade or uh um, I don't know, Dodge Charger. Probably get a good deal on a Dodge Charger right now, but you know, you're going to pay MSRP or really close to it if you want to buy it, um, even if you order one. There's not much discounting going on still. It's just because the supplies are still limited. You know, everybody over the years, people would say, well, why can't car dealers be like everybody else? No negotiation. You just go in just like going to Walmart and buying a toaster. You know, why, why can't car dealers do that? But when it really came down to it, the average consumer, when they, were, when they did these big surveys, they would say, well, we don't like to negotiate, but we like what it does. We like the ability to do it to get a better deal. And, um, but, the, you know, I find, found over the years that it's probably about a 
75% of the people just hate it, you know, as far as uh, the whole negotiation process, and they just feel uncomfortable with it. And, you know, and I can sense that very often. We try to use really good, aggressive, upfront pricing in our business, but still could come. somebody will say, was that the best you can do? I really don't. I'm going to go shopping, or I want to go to Johnson City and look around and see what they have. Well, that's not what you really want to hear, you know, because they may want to uh, – they may have something in inventory they've had for a while, and they're willing to sell it for less, and you don't want to lose the customer. So at that point, you have to make a decision. Well, you know, if we cut the price a little bit, would you consider buying it from us and buying it now? There's nothing wrong with that, asking that. You know, and sometimes the customer said, no, I still want to shop around. And that's when a lot of dealerships are really bringing the heat. You know, they'll they'll. that's when the other sales manager comes down, the guy that wears the really dark sunglasses and, and the – the tie and the shirt that don't match, and he he really puts the pressure on you. And uh, that's what people hate, and I get it. That doesn't happen here, but it does happen at some dealerships. And I always encourage people, when they feel that heat, uh, when you feel the pressure, it's time to put up the little like the little timeout symbol with your hands, say, hold on here. Said, I don't like this. Um, we're going to go home and think about it. And I don't want to hear anything else. You know, you just got to not succumb to it. But too many people do succumb to the pressure. And they're negotiating on something that they don't even understand. You know, they're, they're negotiating on the monthly payment. We talked about that. I talk about that all the time, how big of a mistake it is to negotiate based on the monthly payment alone. You do have to get the monthly payment that you can afford. I get that. But it is based on some big numbers, the selling price of the car, the trade-in, and, uh, you know, the interest rate that you pay and the term, um, people will, um, will actually agree to a monthly payment having no idea what the term is. You know, is it 60 months, 72, 84, 120? Just think about how much more you pay for a car. You know, at, at $500 a month for an extra tw- 24 months, if you don't know what's happening, that's 12000 extra that you're paying for the car that you shouldn't be because you're focused on the monthly payment. You know, salesperson comes back and says, we can get your payments to, you know, let's say that you were at, uh, I don't know, you came in wanting a 350 payment and they come back at you and they say, we can get your payments to 450 a month. Well, I can't pay that. Well, what could you pay? Well, I could probably pay 400. Well, let me go see what we can do. Well, see, before you were negotiating based on 60 months, what are you negotiating on now? He comes back and said, good news. We can do it for four hundred a month. Well, good. Where do I sign? Wait. Let, let's just say that uh, that you know they went from sixty months to seventy-two months, and they don't disclose that to you. Is that fraud? Well, did you sign the contract? Yes. Then it's not fraud because you didn't read the contract. You didn't ask the question. What did you do to get my monthly payment down? Did you cut the price? Did you change the interest rate? Did you change the term? Uh, if they don't say anything, if they you know kind of hem and haw around, they're trying to get you. I just I'm just telling you. Now if they say no, we actually cut the price. Uh, everything else stayed the same. Term stayed the same. Rate stayed the same. We just cut the price. There you go. You're good to go. You know because they. They did. They actually saved you money. All the other stuff is just a shell game, 
And that's what I want you to be careful of. That's what this is what the kind of show that you're let's say you got somebody that's graduating from high school and they're going out on their own or somebody graduating from college somebody gets a new job and what do they want to do well i know what i wanted to do i wanted to buy a couch and a new pioneer no let's see yamaha sound system i worked at a car dealership i didn't need a new car but what most people want is to go buy a new car so they go out and they've got this promise of this big job and they got some graduation money and they walk into the dealership and and they run into a salesperson with uh, let's say his ethical compass doesn't point in the right direction. And so he, they start playing this dance, you know, and they say, well, how much do you want your monthly payment to be? Well, the naive youngster says, well, I can afford $450 a month. Um, they're cooked at that point. You know, yeah, they got to find the car and stuff, but most people, when they get to that point, they don't look at the, at the sale price, the, the trade value, if there is one. They don't think about term and stuff like that. They just sign the paperwork and they drive off and they're really, really happy until about two years later when they're not happy with the car, they want to trade it and they are so upside down in the car, they owe way more than it's worth. They can't trade, and uh, but they, they, st- they do because they have good credit and they have a job. And then the next one, they're even worse upside down. This is what happens. It's a vicious, vicious cycle. And that, the people that need to listen to this are the youngsters because they're the ones that are going to fall victim to it if they don't have a really good coach riding along with them. We call them a quarterback. You know, it's the guy or girl, it's the mother or father or grandfather that has traded cars a bunch of times and really understands, you know, what are the variables? What, what are the numbers that you need to really focus on? I mean, I've, had, uh, I've heard, overheard salespeople, even at my dealership, Occasionally say, well, what are you looking for as far as a monthly payment? And um, I've heard the quarterback say, that doesn't really matter right now. We want, we want to get a good selling price on the car, get the most for their trade, and then we're worried about the monthly, pay- the monthly payment. The payment isn't an issue right now. That's the right answer. That's the kind of person that you need to have with you when you go buy a car. Uh, you can pick out the car. You can you know put different things on your wish list. But don't start negotiating with a negotiating expert, uh, especially one who, you know, really doesn't care and is just out to make a big gross profit on a on a car deal. Take somebody along that knows what they're they're doing. If you need me, I mean, I can't really ride along with you, but I can coach you. You can call me before you pull the trigger, and I'll I'll make sure that or before you even go to the dealership. And if you want to call me, I am a Ford dealer. I'm a Nissan dealer. I'm a new car dealer with a twist. And um, But my mission on My Car Guru is to keep people from making mistakes, simple things, not paying attention. You know, I think it's a big financial drain on a lot of folks when they jump into a car loan that they really can't afford. Um, so anyway, these are things that, that I, I have the power to do, but only if you use me. 423-552-2020. Uh, I am available today if you need to call for some reason or send me a text. I'll help you. If you're in the middle of buying a car from another dealer somewhere, doesn't matter. I'll help you. It's fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy playing mind games with salespeople. Because I'm going to load your lips, as they say in the car business, and, and that salesperson is going to look at you and say, where'd you learn that? And you're going to say, I listened to this guy 
on the radio. Enough said. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. So what happened on July 4th, anyway, for this celebration? If you asked, um, if you did a sample of 121-year-olds, let's say they just graduated from college, say, what, what is July 4th about? Well, I think it's a day that you get off, right? And it's red, white, and blue? Yeah, what, what started it, though? What's it all about? What happened July 4th um, that they're celebrating? How many would know? be able to answer that question? I'll bet not many. But you know, that is a day that a group of very courageous men in a room in Philadelphia put their lives on the line by declaring their independence from Britain. And they knew that if they were captured for one reason or another, that they would be... um, executed for that decision. And these weren't just, you know, just common folk. These were the leaders of our country. These were the people. They knew what the consequences of this were, at least they thought they knew. And when they did it, uh, they did it out of sacrifice and with full understanding that this was just the first step. You know, I wonder how much courage or if that kind of courage even exists in this country anymore. Think about the the uh, crazies up in Washington right now, whether they would put their lives on the line to make a stand like that. I think there are a few that probably would, but I don't know. It's a different world now, that's for sure. But I'm very grateful. We should be grateful on this day. It's not just a day to go to the lake and you know grill hamburgers and stuff like that. It is a, a day of of Thanksgiving. You know, it's a different Thanksgiving in my mind. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will uh, talk to you tomorrow on July 4th.